Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast. I'm your host, Gianna Belcastro, and we have another fantastic interview. I am sitting here waiting for this season to be over, but of course, before that takes place, I am just going to gently remind you that I am going to the United Soccer Coaches Convention in a few weeks. It's in Kansas City. I am super excited to be on Podcast Row with 22 other awesome soccer podcasts. I am very excited. I am so pumped to meet some people within the soccer community, you know, giving out merch, all that other stuff. Gentle reminder as well that this season will be ending in February. Not sure exactly when. I hope you don't miss me that much because I'll be back after I graduate from my community college. But like I said before, we have an interview again today. Would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I am Erin Truex. I play right tackle for the Boston Renegades. I have been playing for about six years. I still don't really know how to handle the COVID season. So I think it's technically seven, although we didn't field a team in 2020. And aside from football, I work full-time in fundraising. I do a lot of work for asylum seekers that are relocating from Central America. So spend my day job trying to raise money for programs to ensure that people are traveling to this country safely and are able to hear their have their asylum cases heard. I am on the board of a few nonprofits. I like to be pretty involved. And then I actually host my own podcast focused on women's tackle football called Cleat Sheets. I actually do it with a competitor, uh, Jody Moose Raylander, who just happens to have been a player for the Minnesota Vixen, who we just faced off against in the national championship this past July. So I do not know much about football. Um, It's I, I wasn't a big football person growing up. Like we have the bears here. I don't mm. follow college football. I never got into it. My family was more of a baseball family growing up. So I have that. Um, I want to know, firstly, what was the football team that you supported growing up? And is it still the same team now? So similarly to you, I did not follow football at all. I grew up in Southern California at a time when the Rams were not there. So for those that don't know the history of football, there have been teams in Los Angeles uh, during the time that I grew up. I was born in 1990. So 90s, early 2000s, there, there was really no team to follow. So I was really into hockey. The Los Angeles Kings were my team. The Los Angeles Lakers were my basketball team. But in terms of football, not even on my radar. And then I relocated to Boston, Massachusetts to get my master's in 2013. And you don't really have to follow the NFL to know the New England Patriots are really good and they've been really good for a long time. So it was, I sort of cheated and I ended up moving to a region with this phenomenal franchise. And I just decided to start cheering for them because it's where I happen to live. And they kind of became my team. Uh, The Rams ended up moving back to Los Angeles and I I still bleed Southern California. I'm very proud of my roots, but after moving to a region where there's a team that's just been dominating for so long, I just, I had to stick with the New England Patriots. That's kind of unfortunate. I'm not a big Pats person (laughs) myself. (laughs) I'm not right now. It's been really disappointing the past year or so. There's Football for me, I've been able to find certain players I really enjoy. So I was talking about it on my podcast, but I love Vaughn Miller, who played for the Broncos. Um, I haven't really been following him much now. I love Tom Brady now with the Buccaneers. You know, I loved Edelman when he was with the Patriots. So I've been able to find certain players that I enjoy cheering for. Um, But the NFL, to be honest, especially this season, has been pretty unwatchable uh, with just so much craziness happening. So I don't know. I'm going to be a Patriots fan for a little bit longer, though. Okay. Whatever. We'll we'll put it to the side a little bit. I mean, I like one Boston team, and it's the Celtics. People don't understand why. It's a very long explanation. I think I, I did an interview recently. I was on the Golden Knowledge podcast, and he asked me about, like, you know, this is the best Bulls team in a while, and I was like, 
I don't necessarily follow like men's basketball <laughs> right now. I've like, I follow the teams on social and I was explaining like why I root for, I root for three teams, the jazz, the bulls and the Celtics, okay. obviously hometown. I was a Gordon Hayward fan growing up. So during like the Derek favors, Gordon Hayward era of the jazz, yeah. I was following them. And then when Hayward moved to the Celtics, I became a Celtics fan, but mm. now he's in Charlotte and I just gave up with like switching teams. So those are my three teams. I'm sticking with it. Boston has Might good sports well. teams. That is a fact. <laughs> But I will hate all of them <laughs> with, with my heart, except for the Celtics. The thing about Boston sports that people in the region, most transplants, people that have moved to the region know a lot of people that were born and raised here will not admit it. But Boston, Boston sports is one thing. Boston sports fans are unbearable. They are so finicky. They are so, because they're used to winning. You're looking at the Celtics who are arguably one of the greatest teams in, you know, NBA history. I'm a Lakers fan. So I would argue against that, but you look at what the Celtics have done. You look at the history of the Bruins, you look at the history of the Patriots, the Red Sox. And so sports fans, they're just used to winning around here and they're pretty cocky and over the past few years, most of the sports teams have struggled a little bit more, but we're still in that. Nope. We're a title town championship caliber team every year. So it's, it's interesting to try to just navigate that because people, I mean, I can't even tell you the number of people who have named their kid after Brady that I know, or have, you know, a Boston sports tattoo of some kind. It's the, the pride runs deep around here. I mean, there is a winning football team that you do play on. You, There's, I don't know, how many championships <laughs> with the Renegades? I have won three with the yeah. Renegades. There are six total. We have won three as the Boston Renegades. So I know that you've had Adrian Smith on before, but in the past, we, we used to be a few different iterations. The, the biggest franchise that people would recognize before the Boston Renegades would be the Boston Militia. And that team ended up disbanding shortly before the 2015 season. A couple of players got together and formed the Boston Renegades. And yeah, that, that first season, I wasn't with them. I joined in 2016 and they just, everyone has a mentality of winning. It's, it's been really exciting to see the success that we've had, but at the same time, there's so much work that goes into it. Um, there's not a lot of luck. I think we, we, we work our, our butts off. I am going to try really hard not to curse. I curse. This on is a curse friendly oh, show. Perfect. We because, work our asses off. Yeah. <laughs> so my family does not like when I cuss. It is a fact. They okay. do not like it, but I am an adult and this is my yeah. show and I, I make decisions on my own. And so <laughs> I swear whenever the hell I want now, I'm very careful what I say. Unless I'm like really upset and there's times where I'm just like, what the, and I'll just go yeah. off, but it is okay to cuss on this show. Perfect. Wonderful. It's explicit <laughs> friendly, you know, Wonderful. say whatever the F you want to, I'm just, I sometimes censor myself because of my older family members. They all mm-hmm. listen to this show. It's very Hi, family. <laughs> <laughs> Hello family. I'm, I'm, I haven't sworn as much in the past few weeks. My, I told, I was jokingly telling my friends that my um, New Year's resolution was to swear more as a joke. Yeah. But I've actually been swearing less. So I'm not following what I wanted to do. There's still what, 300 and (laughs) more days, 55 more days. (laughs) Very, very true. Okay. Back to the renegades. Like, a, so flying on that jet, you know, must have been quite the yeah. experience, you know, to to be recognized by the Patriots and what you guys are doing. I thought it was pretty damn cool. I want to know what your experience was like um, for, you know, the championship, championship game, you know, going on that freaking cool jet what happened after the championship game, all that, all that stuff. Absolutely. So for those unaware, uh, Robert Kraft informed our team 
a few weeks before the championship that they were going to be flying us to the national championship on aircraft <laughs> with a K, which is hilarious. But the Patriots jet, uh, if anyone follows the Patriots, they know that especially during COVID, the jets in the off season, their giant airplanes have been used for COVID supplies, relief drops, whatever it might be. They've been trying to utilize it for other things. So when it's not being used by the teams, um, there's, I think, two planes. And when they're not in season, they obviously just sit at TF Green down in Rhode Island. And so they've been utilizing it. So the fact that they figured that we were worthy and wanted to include us was really nice. But anyways, we get informed. I don't think, I don't think any of us really realized what was happening. So we get to practice and they have us all kind of huddled around coach. Our offensive coordinator, Vern Crawford, has um, some neck back issues just from years of playing in the NFL. And so he was seated and we're gathering around him and we didn't know, you know, we had just won the conference championship. We're getting ready for the national championship. So some reporters had been there. We didn't know if they wanted a team photo, what was going on. And Molly Goodwin, our team owner, tells us that we're getting the attention of some pretty prominent people. And she said, you know, one of them being Robert Kraft, and they're going to fly you to Canton, Ohio for the national championship. And the way she phrased it, I think we were all just like, yay, we're going to get travel vouchers. This is awesome. <laughs> so eventually some of us went up to her after. She's like, no, you're, you're going on the Patriots plane. You're going on their private jet. We're all going to go together. We're going to be able to have some of our sponsors, some of our bigger team supporters come with us, you know, all of our coaches. And it was unbelievable. So we show up at Gillette Stadium to take buses to TF Green. So for those unaware, Patriot Stadium is in Foxborough, which is just south of Boston, uh, just north of Rhode Island, which is a lesser used airport or smaller airport than Logan in the city of Boston. And so we arrive at Gillette and they're setting us up for a team photo and they're purposefully leaving this one chair empty. We're like, that's kind of weird. Like not sure what's going on. Pat Patriot, their mascot was running around. So we thought maybe they'd have him seated. And then in walks the most adorable man in the entire world, Robert Kraft. I say adorable because as someone who's 6'1", every time I see like an older gentleman who's just incredibly powerful, but just comes in and is just has a big smile on his face, is calling players out by name, is talking to the owners by name. Some of our coaches uh, previously played for the Patriots. So he recognizes like Vern Crawford, uh, recognizes a few others and just sits us down and tells us like he's rooting for us. The city of Boston is behind us and we get to take photos with him. He ends up sending us off, you know, with a, a really great celebration. They had the Patriots cheerleaders, all of that. Um, the jet is unbelievable. It's, we go in and there's handwritten notes from him. He wrote little messages and signed cards um, encouraging us to go in. The, the history behind that being we were going to win our sixth national championship. Um, we were in route to go do that. And they actually had just gotten the plane and used it when they won their six against, against the Rams a few years ago. So there was a little, uh, little bit of mirroring and the whole weekend was magical. Um, NFL films was with us following the entire trip. We showed up the pro football hall of fame is where the location was for the national championship. If you don't even follow football, I encourage anyone and everyone to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame because it's one of the coolest museums I've ever been to, just completely unbelievable. But the the entire experience was magical. They shut down the Pro Football Hall of Fame for us to do a tour beforehand. Um, we, we got to do all these different things. And it was the first weekend where it felt like there was legitimacy to what we're doing because we all know what we're doing. We know the work that we're doing. We know the effort we're putting in to have a winning team and be successful in the football field, but to look around and so many, see so many people and so many moving pieces working together to provide us with that support was just unbelievable. Like I was in tears, in tears or near tears the entire weekend. Like I, it did, it took me weeks to really realize all that we were able to experience. And you ended up with the championship. So there, there's another thing with that too. <laughs> and that, it was the weirdest thing because I don't know how to describe this. I, I was like, we have to win because if all this happens to us, we're going to look like the biggest assholes in the world. Like if we get all this attention and all this excitement and then we go and we lose and I, I didn't have any fear. I'm not a cocky person um, by any means. I am not a, 
I have a level of confidence in our team because I know how hard we work, but I'm never going to say, oh, anything's a guarantee, even though we had gone undefeated. We've actually been, we've gone two seasons undefeated. I don't think we've lost a game since 2018. And so it was, yeah, it was a little nerve wracking. And I think that's part of why it was hard to believe anything was happening because it's like you meet Robert Kraft. He says he'll fly you to the game. If you win, they'll fly you back. You are torn the Pro Football Hall of Fame and you have all these exciting things that are happening, but you still have a football game to play. Like you can't really fully enjoy it because you still have work to do. You still have so much that you need to put in uh, to making sure the game happens. And the way that the weekend is set up, there's three divisions in the WFA, both of the Division Two, Division Three games um, both those games were played on Friday. So there's there's some excitement on Friday and then our games on Saturday. So the lead up with all of these women's football teams coming together and women's football fans coming together, there's just so much hype and energy that you're kind of just in a daze until it's time to hit the football field on Saturday night. Were there a lot of people there? I know like I don't know if there are any restrict restrictions or whatever, but um, what was like the fan atmosphere? Like what was game day atmosphere like for you? Any special preparation that you did that your team did specifically? We, so there weren't a lot of restrictions. I think it was one of the best crowds that we had had. The weather was a little crummy uh, and it was pretty hot. So there were different levels and people could kind of go sit out in the level. So um, they were kind of able to avoid the heat. So it didn't feel like it was super packed and there was a little bit of opportunity for distancing. Um, we don't really change much when it comes to our, our planning and game plan. But what I will say, because this was our first season after COVID, the Patriots playing and everything leading up to that game and the pregame, that was honestly some of the first opportunities we had to all be together because we have a small locker room uh, at our home field, we play in Revere. We haven't really had an opportunity for all of us to be to, to be together in one place. And so for pregame, all I remember is just having this giant locker room and everyone being able to be in there. So um, there, there were some things said that because NFL Films was there, I'm curious to see if any of that will be covered. Um, I don't know the specifics on what would be released and when, but we had some coverage um, on the championship weekend and we'll see what ends up coming from that but there there was definitely a, a fair amount of talk that goes on in the locker room to hype ourselves up but really nothing really changes I mean we're pretty consistent in how we operate our team we have the same workouts we always do and warm-ups we have the same drills that we go through so that's one thing that I think has made us very successful is the consistency so as much as there was a lot going on and I was really excited for championship weekend and I personally had to work through my anxiety and anxiousness um the team itself was just operating like business as usual it's kind of I think the one thing that always sticks with me when I talk to people in the world of women's sports is like the lack of resources and you know mm -hmm. the the small spaces and you know, being at playing at high schools or playing at colleges until you get your own stadium. Um, the Chicago Red Stars, which is my hometown soccer team, used to play at Benedictine University, which is like 20 minutes from where I am. And there's a high school connected to that, too. It's one big thing. And it's a very annoying place to be just because of personal knowledge. But I do <laughs> not like Bennett or Bennett oh, uh, no. or Benedictine. <laughs> it's a whole thing. but. These teams are kind of seen as like not a real thing. Mm -hmm. And one thing with the NWSL Players Association is they have this movement, uh, no more side hustles. Mm -hmm. And they are trying to, you know, get the pay that they deserve so they can stop working one or two jobs, maybe even three besides playing right. soccer, you know. I am curious to know more about, you know, within your league, what specific differences do you see versus like maybe a college team or an NFL team? Because there is definitely a lack. I mean, especially with the locker room situation, I'm just curious to learn more about yeah. that. 
Yeah. So I played two years of collegiate basketball and our resources were limited. We weren't a very big team. We played in the NAIA, which is the independent version of NCAA. So a little bit smaller scale, but there is a huge disparity and it's probably most felt in the resources that we do have. So as you mentioned, you know, we play at a, a local school field uh, in Revere. We don't play in Boston. We play outside of Boston. There aren't fields that we could probably afford in Boston. And the resource piece is can be challenging because in Boston, there's so many schools and there's so many clubs and things going on. I think it's often felt in how we can get access to things. So for example, just had a snowstorm this week. A lot of us want to do some practices together. We like to do what's called a captain's practice where the coaches aren't there, but we get together, we do cardio, we go over our plays and we don't know where to find a field. So we have to drive around, find a field that we ourselves are going to shovel so that we can get a practice in. And we have to time it right because that field might get shoveled and used by the local flag league or by, you know, pick up soccer, whatever it might be. So the disparity, I think for me is really felt in the resources, lack the lack of resources. And then also just the where we fall in terms of hierarchy when it comes to some of this planning. So we have to use indoor space, it's very cold, but again, we have to compete with a lot of other clubs and teams and programs to be able to get access to that space. I also know from personal experience, like trying to find places to go and seeing the lack of just general knowledge about what's going on too. Mm -hmm. I have this thing that I, I told this in an interview where in high school, I had to go to the dean's office myself to tell them to let people in our school know that there's girls basketball games going on because they never oh. advertised them. And it was oh, just gosh. like, I was so frustrated and I had to take it upon myself as a freshman who did not know anyone in that entire school to be like, Hey, by the way, <laughs> tell people yeah. that this is going on. And they only yeah. told people about women's teams when they were winning. Yeah. When they were good and when they were successful. Never when they were just like, oh, you know, this school is playing uh, this school at seven. You know, the theme is whatever. Like even our spirit people that were coordinating like what to wear for games or whatever. They didn't do that for the women's teams. And it was just very frustrating to, to see that, especially yeah. in two places. I went to two different high schools and it was the same, a private Catholic school and a public high school. And it goes such a long way. I remember I was telling someone, we got some news article about us before the Robert Kraft uh, airplane thing. We had some news article and you read the comments and everyone, it's just shit talking. It's, this isn't real football. This isn't a real sport. This isn't this, this isn't that. And then when Robert Kraft and the New England Patriots stepped up and did those things for us, the narrative immediately switched. Now there were still haters online, but the overwhelming majority, it turned into, yeah, we are a title town. Like, look, this is another winning team. This is a more rings to add to the mantle of Boston sports. And that is because of the Patriots and Robert Kraft and that buy-in and you have to show that support because it just lends itself to more exposure and, and kind of giving you the teams a little bit more awareness, a little bit more notoriety. I mean, I could only imagine if people were more open or shared out more about the women's basketball, like you said, girls basketball being played in high school, there would be more coverage and maybe more players would try out or more players would be interested or it might be more motivating. Like that all is helpful. It doesn't cost anything to just raise that awareness. It's just overall frustrating though. And I'm assuming mm -hmm. that you feel the same way when you have to rely on, you know, men to you know, kind of yeah. be like, hey, you gotta, you gotta look at this. This is happening. And it's a, it's a real thing. It's very frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating, but what I am excited about is like the men, whatever. I, I care about the women. I care about the men with daughters that want to play sports and want to feel supported. So if 
we can at least raise awareness that way. That's all I really care about. Like, is there a young girl that now knows about the Boston Renegades and they can come to a game because eventually they want to play football or maybe they don't want to play football, but they just want to know that they have the option to, if they want to. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't necessarily need to convince the men of anything, but it was interesting to see that switch. And again, that switch is because someone that was powerful and higher up and had the reputation that they did, uh, it got, it got people interested and it got people willing to support. Moving on to, you know, this upcoming season, can you tell people that are listening, you know, more about what's gonna happen this season like where you guys play it I don't know if you know your schedule yet Um, they're working on it so yeah so we are the the big thing happening with our league this year so the women's football alliance is the premier league in women's football it's the largest league and they've been in operation since 2009 the Boston Renegades as the Renegades as I mentioned started in 2015 but the league itself has teams over 60 teams across the country. So there are four divisions now. They've rebranded Division One as Division Pro. So the pro teams are the top 10 teams at the top. I don't know what the end goal is, but I believe the plan is to try to move more teams into that division when they are ready. But in the interim, we also have a Division Two, Division Three, and a developmental team or developmental league. So that's really to get people interested in football. It's important to note, a lot of us didn't grow up playing football. Like I didn't play tackle football until I joined the Boston Renegades. You know, there's just not really a pipeline for it, or at least there hasn't been for such a long time. So our season traditionally runs April through July. The national championship will return to the NFL, not NFL, but the Pro Football Hall of Fame on July 9th. And we'll, we're anticipating a six game season. That's usually three away games, three home games. Typically it's eight games for a regular season, but with COVID they're still limiting our travel. Um, we will always have a home and away against DC. The DC divas are our biggest rival play out of Washington, DC. We just, we always face them every year. We usually have to get through them uh, to get to the national championship because we do have one of the stronger conferences. So definitely a home and away against the DC divas. I believe the other teams in our conference that we might face would be St. Louis, Detroit, Tampa, and then Pittsburgh. So that's really what's going on in our region. And then, as I mentioned, I have a podcast with who we faced off with in the national championship, the Minnesota Vixen. They are D1 on the other side. So D1 Division Pro has the Cali War, Minnesota Vixen, uh, the Arlington Impact, the Dallas Elite, Dallas Elite. Um, I think they're just Dallas Elite. We don't ever really play them. <laughs> so I, I don't follow that area as much. I just, I worry about who I'm going to face off in the championship and that's it. That's the right mentality to have though. Only worry about who you got to face to get that trophy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so there's, you said there's four different divisions, mm-hmm. right? Within the league. That's interesting. I think yeah, so they really want to, yeah, they want to structure it a little bit more like college and the, our league is, is a great league. It's been around for a while now. Uh, Again, they've been able to form these fantastic partnerships, but I think by adding that fourth developmental league, that's going to be really helpful because there are people that want to play tackle football and they're not going to walk onto a a pro team or walk on maybe even to a division two team but they want a chance to play. So at the developmental level, they can learn route running or learn how to play on the line or learn different positions or just learn the basics about football. And that introduction of a developmental level, I think is going to allow more players into the game while giving them that good baseline to, to start to learn how to play. And so with these different divisions, if you're like the top of the table, do you move up to the next one in the season after? Yeah, so the goal has been with COVID really destroyed a lot of the trajectory. But basically, if you win, you move up. So the winner of the Division Three National Championship two years ago was the Nevada Storm. They moved up. They actually won Division Two this year. They have now moved up to Division One. 
the year before COVID, the SLAM had won Division Two. They are now at Division One. So the goal is if you win, you have to go up and you have to move up. Um, so Division One is a lot bigger. The Pro Division is a lot bigger than it's been in years past because they're starting to move teams up. And it makes sense because that's where the highest level of competition is. That's where the professional teams are. Traditionally, those teams are tied to bigger markets. Um, a lot of the developmental or lower tier teams, um, they are in smaller markets. You know, it's a lot harder to have to recruit and gain awareness or gain exposure on your team if you're in a smaller region that doesn't have, you know, other professional sports that people are interested in or just doesn't have the community built around them. It sounds kind of like soccer where you're in yeah. all these different divisions. Like I was listening to you talk about it. This yeah. like, wait, this sounds like, you know, trying to trying to move up from EFL two to EFL one. Just keep Absolutely. going. Yeah. But teams That's- don't drop down is what you're saying. Some teams will drop down. That's what I think the league is starting to move away from. So some teams that have been hurt uh, by injury or have had a lot of players retire. I do know teams have dropped in the past to different divisions, but I think the goal of the league, and, and I'm not affiliated with the league. I obviously play for a team, but I think the goal of the league is to really start to eliminate that and move teams up. And you see it in the level of competition competition being elevated. I mean, the division two team that won this past year, the Nevada storm, they're going to do really well at division one. I, I don't know, you know, exactly what their schedule is going to look like, but having watched them at division two, I know that they're going to be able to compete at a division one or a division pro level. And so I think the goal is to find those teams and encourage them to move up just to increase the level of competition at the top tier. Interesting. So for people that are confused, like I was for a second, <laughs> it's kind of like soccer, but not, not exactly, not exactly Not with the dropping down. There's no dropping down. You only move yeah, up. Yeah. And, and the dropping down hasn't happened for a few years. So I would, I would say that's probably not even something to really consider going forward. But again, in the past years, when teams were decimated by injuries, retiring, you kind of had to move according to where the level of competition made sense for you. But as the league continues to provide more support, stronger partnerships, every team theoretically should be able to continue to build and grow and move up. And that's why Division Pro, the top tier, looks like it does now. It has the strongest teams um, and one of the larger the largest classes it's had in a while. Typically division one has been closer to, you know, seven, eight teams this year. We have 10 next year. We'll probably have 11 or 12 because they'll be continuing to move teams up. Very interesting. You know, the, the more, you know, the, with the, you know, the star thing that comes down, that's, that's, yeah. that's my <laughs> reaction to all of this. Cause I, it's a lot of information. It's a lot, I but I, I got it. <laughs> I got it up here now. So yeah. I, I feel very knowledgeable about the WFA, just a little bit more. Just a little. <laughs> Tiny bit. Not completely. Maybe one day I'll be like a super fan or something, but I got to. You'll have to come to interest. a game. You'll have to come to a game and check it out. I mean, I they're... don't know of any over here. Boston is far away. Minnesota. Eh. Minnesota is pretty far. You, I mean, Canton, Ohio. July 9th. Very far. Keep an eye out. Start sure. saving now. I'll start a GoFundMe to get oh you to my. it. <laughs> Ohio is kind of, you know, Ohio is Ohio. I would like to yeah. say that anything past Illinois is boring. Well, like the Indiana, Ohio, once you get past Ohio, it's okay, I guess. <laughs> I always might. So my, again, my co-host lives in Minnesota and she always gives me grief because being from California and now living in New England, it's all flyover country for me. Like it's, I couldn't pick out half of the cities on a map just because I'm, I know the West coast. I know the East coast. I don't have a good, and my family's from St. Louis. Like I should have a good idea of what's going on in the middle of the country. I don't, I'm just like, I think Colorado's kind of over here. I think Michigan's (laughs) kind of over there. I'd have a hard time keeping it all, all straight. Like Chicago, Indianapolis, Columbus, St. Louis. No, all I'm, I'm so bad at geography. It is the worst. Denver. I know where Denver is. We won our, we won our 2019 championship in Denver. So I know where Denver is. Okay. Good. Chicago actually had a really, really strong team. The Chicago force 
Uh, they disbanded about two years ago, I think, and they had one of the stronger teams in um, the WFA. And I can't go see them because they're not a thing anymore. So no. that's... <laughs> I would Come hope on. that's I would hope that someone would get a team in Chicago going because you look at the Chicago sky. So I'm a huge Candace Parker fan. I like obsessed. So I followed, I was cheering for the sparks, but I followed her to the Chicago sky. But you you have such a big market and there's teams that are there that people are excited for and root for. You it's surprising that no one has really picked it up, picked up the torch to start a women's tackle football team in Chicago. I mean, there's just, there's room for one. Absolutely. So I've been trying to, been quietly starting a petition for a PHF team to be over here. Okay. Because like, I, like, I know there are like Chicago women's hockey stuff, but it's way in the city and I am very scared to drive to Chicago. I have a thing where it's like, I grew up in the burbs. My, my mom, her family grew up in the city. My mom learned how to drive in the parking lot at Comiskey, which is like, <laughs> you know what? I might as well give up with trying to learn how to drive in the city. Oh man. I maybe you can call it Chicago, leave it in the burbs. I will go to that. <laughs> leave it in the burbs, but you can you can name it Chicago, whatever. I will yep. go. Just not in the city, please. Gotta get it. I just I can't drive there. It's very difficult. No. I, I don't know how my family does it. It's. I mean, you're talking Boston's one of the worst cities in the world. Oh, to drive. I Every went to I Boston. There, like, oh, I went to Boston fun. a few years ago. I went to go look at UConn. I did oh, not. Okay. I did not like the school. I it was my school that I really wanted to go to. The campus did not like. But I went to Boston. We stayed in Boston. We drove to stores. Mm-hmm. My uncle was driving, and I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah. How do people drive there? It doesn't, I don't they get it. They don't. They don't. That's well, the thing. Is, I mean, people drive, but we have the T, which is our, like our, we have the commuter rail, which is getting people into the city from further distances, but the T, which is just the network that connects, you know, Somerville, Cambridge, Boston, Quincy. But yeah, most people take public transportation, which again, coming from California, that was not a thing. Like no one I knew, the first time I ever went on a bus was, 2013 like when I moved to Boston I had never been on a bus I I mean I'd been on a bus bus for you know sports and traveling but never public transit it's just the system the public transportation system in Southern California is not good so then moving to Boston I'm like oh have to learn it have to rely on it because it's really the only way that a lot of people get around no one knows how to drive in Boston no one knows how to drive in New York no one knows how to drive in Chicago those are just my personal experiences I don't know anything on the west coast though so the only argument for New York is New York's at least a grid the problem with Boston is you'll be driving on a street and then the street will just turn right and the name will change and then it'll turn left and then it turns into a one way like that is because it follows yeah it follows the old, it, I mean, the city's how many years old? So it follows all of the old pathways and all the old roads that way. It's not like, like DC is one of the easiest cities in the world to drive because it's a grid. It's the first city, major city that was built out. And so, you know, all the letters go one way, all the numbers go another way. And then I think it's diagonal or named after states and it's just clear and easy and it makes sense. Not what happens in Boston. <laughs> yeah, and it was also like, excessively under construction while we were there too and yeah I was like is it always like that yep <laughs> okay always how many years ago did you come here um 2020 may 2020 or april 2020 yeah, yeah. it was not so much construction it, yeah. i did i didn't understand how he was driving through all of it and he was going so fast too, or I thought he was going so fast. And just Which like, is scary because there's so many pedestrians. You've got to be careful. Yeah. You've gotta, and they don't care because jaywalking is not illegal out here. So it's like, I'm just going to walk in front of the car and you're going to stop or you're going to hit me and I'm going to sue you. That's <laughs> how it works around here. I am never driving in Boston. I don't do make it. someone else do it. But enough about that. <laughs> Driving is just one thing that makes me extremely nervous. It's not any easier out here because the birds, no. no one knows how to drive either, but yeah. whatever. You mentioned you have your own podcast, which I love when people 
that come on the show also do something like that because it's like I am talking to someone that knows how to record podcasts. It's always good. <laughs> they know how to do interviews. This is awesome. Do you have your own special like segments on your show? I just want to learn more about your show, what you guys talk about, um, if you do anything special with it. Like right now you're in a conversation o'clock. I named it after nothing. I, it's a very funny name that I came up with right before the first interview I ever did for the show. It's a silly name, but it's whatever. Do you have any special things that you do with your show? It's time to learn more about your podcast. So my podcast, I started in 2020 with my competitor, Jody Moose Raylander of the Minnesota Vixen. It's called Cleat Sheets, available wherever you listen to podcasts. We actually just surpassed 2,500 downloads an episode, which is kind of exciting because we focus exclusively on women's tackle football. Uh, We were very intentional about wanting to just focus on our league and something we know. So we basically, we released bi-weekly, but I'm going to share new information on here. We are actually going to be switching to once a week on our podcast. So releasing every week. And what we're going to start doing is, I talked about it on here, but awareness and recognition and, and brand awareness is so important. So what we will be doing is every other week, we will be doing a special 10 to 15 minute episode on a team in our league. So we're going to do an entirely focused segment on a team we either have interviewed, had not interviewed, and share their history, share their players, talk about things to look for, ways to get involved, things they need. And then on the other weeks, the off weeks, we are providing longer interviews for individuals. So Moose has been playing over 20 years in women's football. I have only been playing six seasons. We have two very different perspectives. And so we just basically like to have people on and interview and talk sports. So we traditionally invite someone on. We ask them their football journey, how they got connected with football, you know, what their hopes and dreams are for upcoming seasons. But we have always wanted to take it from the perspective of women that are playing the sport. So there are other podcasts and other features that are hosted by men and and cover men's football as well. But we really wanted to be intentional and make sure that it was by women for women. Um, We have interviewed some former NFL athletes. We've interviewed some men that are connected to women's football, but really at the heart of it, it's two women that play football and wanting to share that perspective. So In terms of specific segments, sometimes when we don't have guests on, it'll just be the two of us talking shit and giving each other grief. Um, Our latest episode, which we just released last night, is called Bulletin Board Material. Um, Moose is a little bit more candid than I am. It's hard for me to be willing to put anything on the record in terms of people I don't like or teams I don't like or teams I don't want to play or I do want to play. And so um, we jokingly called it bulletin board material because I was a little bit more candid on that episode in terms of teams that I just want to get after it with uh, in 2022. But really, it's just about providing uh, awareness and giving people a chance to hear from some of these phenomenal athletes. I mean, we have been around for a long time. The sport has existed for a long time. There's phenomenal athletes that are kicking ass and taking names and they're just not getting the exposure they deserve and they need. And I think with Moose and I doing it together, it's awesome because we provide two different perspectives and we're able to ask certain questions and disagree. You know, she is going to offer up an opinion and I'm going to disagree and I'm going to say it. I'm going to offer up an opinion and she's going to disagree and she's going to say it. But ultimately we're able to hit that record button and provide two very clear opinions and just again trying to raise awareness for the sport that's really effing cool i'm gonna re- refuse to swear today uh, just <laughs> just for my family but sorry I'm gonna, grandma grandpa <laughs> yeah guys i'm not just for you just today only next one i'm swearing <laughs> got an english guy coming on next week so oh, I, hopefully yeah so we're maybe you'll get some, some new story. fun swear words. Although he is a head coach, so I don't know if he will be allowed to do that. I don't know if the, you know. Oh mm. man, our head coach loves swearing. He's he gets very colorful with his um his anger and things. Swearing that he is says good. To us. 
Swearing, swearing is awesome. Is Creativity for sure. <laughs> the more you know, swearing is good. Swearing, swearing is, is good. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. Now you know. But the podcast, you know, really cool. Um, Thank you. Where can people find the show? Find out more about the league, all that wonderful stuff. Sure. So I host Cleat Sheets. You can find us on Instagram at Cleat underscore Sheets. We're not on any other platforms right now. I don't know if that'll change, but you could find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We have a phenomenal producer, Marissa Alexa McCool, who actually is another player. She plays for a division three team. I believe it's division three team in our league. So phenomenal producer and puts out everything um, on Spotify, Apple podcasts, literally wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, we have additional content that goes out to Patreon subscribers. Again, just cleat sheets. And for our league and the Boston Renegades, Boston Renegades, Boston Women's Football. You could find us anywhere you Google, look on social media. And then the Women's Football Alliance is at WFAProFootball.com. And if you are listening to this and thinking, well, I don't want to cheer for Boston or I'm too far from Boston, I guarantee you, if you look it up, there's probably a team near you. So definitely take a look at WFA Pro Football and find a team in your area. I can't emphasize enough how important it is to gain exposure for our league and it's really freaking fun. It's so much fun. I, all the games are awesome and would just really encourage folks to, to check out a game wherever they can. Thank you for plugging away. Now it's time for my favorite segment at the end of interviews. It's time for the lightning round. I wish I had a soundboard for that so I could play some stupid (laughs) sound effect. I don't have a lot of equipment, but that's whatever. Maybe one day. But one day. One day. But my first question is always, if you are reading a book or listening to an audiobook right now, or it can be any book that you've read before, what is something that you would recommend for the listeners of this show? Oh, man. I'm trying to remember. So we actually have a book club on our team, and we are reading Relentless right now, which I would highly recommend. Um, I'm listening to the audiobook because I can't really focus, but Relentless is, I have to confirm the spelling on the guy's last name, but basically um, one of the gentlemen who worked with Kobe Bryant, it's just a, a really interesting book um, kind of about sports, Mamba mentality, and would definitely recommend. There's a lot of information that is also transferable to, to outside of sports. If you could put an expansion team for the WFA in anywhere you want, you know, where would you put it and why? Uh, We talked about this earlier. I'd put it in Chicago, Chicago force. We're such a good team. I think it's a great market. Um, It's I mentioned big markets because you also have to think about teams that can travel in and there's obviously major airports in Chicago. Um, I am surprised no one has done that yet. And I hope someone does that soon because I think that they would be a a really strong competitor at the top tier. So for your uniforms right now, your two main colors, I'm assuming are red and black, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you got. If you could design your team's uniforms, add something wherever, you know, where, what would you do? What would you add? So our home uniforms are red, our away uniforms are white. I would love if we could ever do an alternate jersey in black, but honestly, if you ever listen to my podcast episodes or if anyone knows anything about me, I don't give a a crap about like any of that stuff. I'm very much like, do I have my brace on, my knee to make sure it's okay? Is my ankle tapes like, are my cleats fitting? Like I'm so wash and wear, don't really care. Like put me in a Jersey, whatever. I just, I don't really care about that stuff. There's some people on our team that like care about the swag and want to look good. And I'm just like, I'm on the offensive line. No one's looking at me. (laughs) It's like, does everything match? Is it clean? I'm good. For game day prep. Is there a specific song or album or artist that you listen to? DMX. Um, I always listen to DMX. I listen to a lot of (sighs) big boy, Andrew WK. And then 
I listen to podcasts. I get a lot of anxiety uh, just before the game. I, I don't know what it is, even when we've played a team before and we anticipate being able to pull off a, a pretty solid win, but I get anxious and there's something very calming. I just about just being able to listen to a podcast. So DMX, Andrew WK, big boy. But when we get closer to game time, if I feel like my nerves are getting up there, I'll listen to podcasts. If you weren't playing professional football, what other professional sport would you be playing? Hockey. I grew up playing hockey. And if I could go back to hockey, I probably would. Um, it's just an expensive sport. And especially in Southern California at the time that I was growing up, there weren't a lot of ranks, but I absolutely loved playing ice hockey, I played basketball in college, but there's, I didn't have the passion for it. Like I had with hockey and like I do with football now. Would you play in the PHF? And if you would do that, what team would you want to be on? Boston pride. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love the Boston pride. They, and they just won, um, you know, the championship this past year, we've done a few events with them. Uh, so we know a few of their players, huge shout out to them. I can't believe I didn't mention that when I was listing off all the other teams, that's a oversight on my part, but if I could play for the Boston pride, I would be pretty excited. Boston is meh. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the, uh, the, the Boston pride. I root for Toronto mostly because like last year when I started following or two years ago when I started following it was like oh I'm a new fan I'm gonna root for the new team so I'm going in between uh Toronto and Buffalo are my teams but yeah Buffalo's cool Buffalo's a a really neat team too I I think that's who I've seen play um when they've come down to play the pride some great teams they need more WFA needs more. Okay, final lightning round question. I, I was going to ask you like another design component thing, but since you, you're not really interested You can, in that, I'll answer it. No, it's fine. So I just, I don't have an opinion on that often the times, but I'm sure I'll find one. One thing that I know with the NFL is like the cleats, they have, mm-hmm. don't they have to, or maybe that's the MLB that they have to match the team uniform. I know like they got the... Mm-hmm. there was cleats where you can design them and they got like cartoon characters on them or whatever mm-hmm. instead of having like boring regular ones if right. you were to design a shoe what would you put on them so the cause that they have is my cause my cleats mm-hmm. so people will design a shoe and it'll be tied to some kind of a social mission that they want to do to you know support cancer research or whatever it might be i would probably if I were to design it, I am originally from Southern California. As I've said, I would do something related to the strawberry fields. If you know Oxnard, where I'm from, they produce, I think it's like two thirds of the nation's strawberries. So my entire childhood was just like migrant farmlands, uh, my whole community. So I would probably do something tied to that. We have the annual strawberry festival in Oxnard every year. So I would like to see a cleat with some kind of like strawberry ocean, strawberry fields. And then you didn't ask me, but I'm going to tie it back to the My Cause, My Cleats. I would love to do something that would raise awareness and funding for labor, um, you know, migrant farmer rights, whatever it might be, uh, something that's tied to, to that mission and supporting that community. Very cool. See that you design and stuff there you go you got the you got to do it you got to I don't know how people do it though they design that stuff they're so cool I I'm not creative like I can come up with an idea I don't know what it would look like I can't I can't draw it myself but I can tell you what I think would look kind of cool I'm very jealous of artists because I cannot design right? for s-h-i-t see I'm not I'm not sorry and today family <laughs> I spelt it out I spelt it out I really want to I'm refraining <laughs> But like even designing my logo is like, that is very hard. I just took random pictures from Picto chart. Threw it up there. (laughs) Threw it up there. It's kind of neat now. My first logo was a mess. It does not deserve to exist on the internet. And I know it does somewhere. And if people find it. mm, Gotta block it. (laughs) Gotta block them. Now it's time for you to plug your personal stuff if you want to and plug anything that you want to say. It could be your social, it could be stuff you're doing outside of sports, whatever you want to say, go ahead. Sure. So outside of football, I 
mentioned, I work full-time in fundraising uh, for Mabel Center for Immigrant Justice. We provide pro bono, pro bono legal services for asylum seekers from Central America. If anyone would like to support or learn more about our work, our website is Mabel Center, M-A-B-E-L center.org. Uh, aside from that, I'm on a few different boards on the North Shore, uh, Hawk, the local domestic violence shelter, that's hawkdv.org. And then behind you, behindyouinc.org. Uh, Hawk is a domestic violence shelter and domestic violence pre prevention organization. And then behind you provides emergency relief to out of work restaurant workers. So doing what I can to support my community, but those are the three organizations that I'm heavily involved in. And those links will be provided down below. I also have amazing resources. Now it's, it's that are linked down below and I will add it to that list. So many links. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I always get in trouble when I do yeah. interviews because it's like I, I'm involved in a lot. So it's just mm -hmm. like a running scroll of like, here's all the things that oh, I'm doing. Oh, I feel you on that. Yeah. I Before, <laughs> like in the early stages of my show, I have like this there's a bunch of links underneath the in the description i used yeah. to type them in manually like i would cop i would go to the page and copy and paste it and put it in i am so smart that now i have a google doc with everything on it but i used to nice. type everything in it's just like i used to spend half an hour writing my description it's unbelievable yeah yeah the things that technology can do now to make our lives easier it's pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> I just didn't know it like a year and a half ago. Good thing I do yeah. not because there's so many, so much Save stuff. so much time. Yeah. <laughs> now it's time for the worst part of the episode, the time that I have to do my spiel. Perfect. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Okay. I, I put on like a, I, I transform into a different person. I just gotta, I gotta get ready for it. Hmm. Okay. If you want to follow me on social media, guess what? You can. I'm on three different platforms on Twitter and Facebook. It's the same handle. It's at WSM Podcast. And on Instagram, you can follow me at Women's Sports Matter. I also have a YouTube channel. So if you want to watch this interview, like see the people behind it and whatever, if you want to see what we look like, you know, if, if you want to see that, it's the Women's Sports Matter Podcast. We're 15 subscribers strong. I would really appreciate it if you subscribe to YouTube because I might put some extra content on there. Whoa. If I can handle it, you know, <laughs> doing it all on my own, whatever. Also, subscribe to wherever you find this podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Wherever you listen. There's so many different amazing platforms. Also, give me a rating on Apple and Spotify. I don't know if any other platforms do that. I'm not really tech savvy when it comes to that kind of stuff, but that's whatever. Of course, please follow Aaron on socials. Follow Boston if you want to. I mean, I guess that can be the other Boston team that I, I will root for. Um, we got the Renegades and the Celtics, I guess. Whatever. Everything else, Red Sox, Bruins, whatever, in the trash. <laughs> in the trash. I'll root for two Boston teams now, but please like follow along with the WFA. It's a real league with awesome women in it. So do not disregard them. You know, we support women's sports here. This is what the show is all about. There's some awesome resources linked down below. We've got like the Trevor project, NAMI, um, register to vote. If you're el eligible and you live in the U S you know, we got midterms coming up just saying you should register to vote I, it's, i'm pushing you gently to be like hey it, it takes a little bit but it's worth it okay awesome also linked down below is a website that will help you find the nearest vaccination place near you it's vaccines.gov type your address in oh there's a walgreens like two minutes from my house i can get my booster whoa that's what i did that's how i found a place to get my booster i'm glad that i i got a needle in me for the third time and i'm very scared of needles and it's okay because i'm boosted now and i'm protected from omicron or whatever the hell you call that stupid variant jesus anyway 
I think that's going to be it here for me. I don't have anything else to promote. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The season is ending in February, but we still got a lot of great folks coming on this show. But that's going to be it for me. Thank you again, Aaron, for coming on today's episode. I really appreciate it. Good luck in your upcoming season with Boston. I hope you get another championship. Would love to see it. Um, But again, thank you for coming on. It was awesome to talk to you more about the WFA. It's going to be it here. I am going to go watch TV and have lunch because (laughs) that's what I do on a two o'clock on a Monday. But yeah. And anyway, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast. Again, I'm your host, Shiana Castro. I will see you next week when I talk to head coach of Gotham FC, Scott Parkinson. He's coming back on the show. He is my first ever repeat guest. This is awesome. So stay tuned for that. Very excited to have him. You heard it here first. I'm not saying it on social. So, but please follow me, follow her. Spread more awareness about women's sports. I'm going to go have lunch. See you guys next week. Bye-bye.